0: invite you to turn in God's Word this morning to, Luke, or to uh, Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11. We were there last week as we looked at John the Baptist and his sending of questions from prison to Jesus. We want to continue looking at that passage this morning, Matthew chapter 11, really focusing on verse verse 12 as we think about who... Jesus is what he uh, has come to do. Yet he is the hope of the world, the one who brings a kingdom that will be established forever. Remember the scene from last week, John is in prison, and then we read, picking up in verse 2, of that account. This is the word of God. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ... He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, John began, or Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there "...has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence or has been coming violently, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear." So far, the reading of God's own holy word may add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it this morning. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has been coming violently and the violent take it by force. Dear people of God, we sing the songs of Christmas and we can get nostalgic for those days of centuries ago, those sweet and seemingly innocent times Oh, little town of Bethlehem we sing, Silent Night, or "Oh, Holy Night, and we think what a sweet and wonderful time and how innocent that we forget what's happening or what has been happening behind the scenes, and it's pushed forward before us in Jesus' words here, and we'll come to those words, but think with me about how the world simply tries to To make this time of year uh, something silly. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer, or grandma I saw Grandma kissing Santa Claus, and we think, oh how cute and how funny and we get caught up in the spirit of Christmas, but we ignore the Holy Spirit and his testimony. Christmas spirit is not a substitute for the true gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? The Christmas spirit we hear about is a feeling of generosity, of kindness, of sweetness, talking about peace without Christ, talking of a new world without a new heart. And Satan, you see, is fine with such noble sentiments, He likes sentiments, he's fine with anything that stops short of repentance, that stops short of anything resembling confession and radical change. He doesn't want us to know the new life, the coming of the kingdom bursting in to our lives. He wants us to keep it on the surface. John, the apostle received vision in Revelation chapter 12 about what was going on. Not John the Baptist, John the Apostle. And it's interesting what he records in Revelation chapter 12. There's nothing too terribly peaceful or sentimental about what is taking place. time of Jesus' birth, Satan is revealed there as a hideous red dragon determined to destroy. And we know Satan is tempted from the beginning. He's tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve. He's continuing he's continued to tempt in the old testament all the temptations in the wilderness with the people of god he tempts even today using every tool that he has trying to woo us trying to to frighten us trying to deceive in whatever way he can and we see throughout scripture the truth about us we are weak And small, and are not able to stand up against him ourselves. We are susceptible to his deceptions because our hearts are weak and sinful in ourselves. We're no match for the devil. Doom is certain without God. Over and over, it is the Lord who must graciously deliver his people. And he delivers in powerful ways, and he also preserves in a powerful way by proclaiming his word to you, by announcing the truth about Christmas, by announcing the truth about who you are, and he says, don't be deceived. Don't fall into that sentimental spirit which makes light of the world's deepest need, Satan keeps watch. He watches to see. As he looks through history, he watches to see how God will fulfill his promise of a seed of the woman. Who is this going to be? And when the Christ child comes, Satan wants him dead. John records it this way in Revelation 12. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. He gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And John writes, continue to go on, condensing this whole life of Jesus, saying that, that Christ does come under attack. He is even one who, who is seemingly devoured but is raised from the dead and ascends into heaven where he now reigns forever. That's what's going on behind the scenes. And at Jesus' birth, Satan stirs up a paranoid Herod. When Herod hears of the baby, he wants the baby killed. Any baby born to be king, he would not see fit to live. If you read the story of Herod, which I was doing again this week, he was a very paranoid individual, killing his own family members to sustain himself on the throne. He tries to kill Jesus, but God delivers his son. But the skirmishes are not over. Satan continues to fight and to deceive. He acts as a king with a kingdom. He acts as a triune power. If you look at Revelation 13, you see there that he acts as a triune uh, power where he has power to give to his servant, and the servant becomes demonic and seeks power to itself, and and there are those who speak on the servant's behalf, pointing them to that servant, making it appear that the power of men can save the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Well, this is the battle that is going on. This is the expected resistance behind the scenes. Satan does not act perhaps so violently in our country at this time because he sees that deception is working. He sees that sentimentalizing things is working and we don't see our need and we think that happiness can be found in presence and in more material goods. He thinks, or he sees that we are convinced that peace and happiness can come. If just left to ourselves, we would just change the whole landscape morally and and imagine it in some other way. Or imagine, as one singer has put it, there is no heaven, there is no hell, and simply to live for self. And this is wooing, this is deceiving, this is drawing people away from the one who came at Christmas. Many don't see the importance of studying the scriptures. Even churchgoers say doctrine is divisive, doctrine is not practical. Doctrine is not helpful. Who cares if Jesus was a, came in the flesh or not? What difference does it make? It's the spirit of it all. Yet Jesus comes proclaiming, repent, lest you perish. John comes preaching, repent, lest you perish. Look to the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world, lest you perish. And this isn't the way that many expected the kingdom to come. John's own disciples were confused about this Messiah. And they asked John, who is this Jesus? And John says, go ask him. Ask him, who are you? Why have you come? Are we to seek another? For these were the questions they were asking of John. John knew that Jesus would be able to answer their questions. Jesus declares what's taking place as we saw at the opening verses that he's giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. The the dead are raised up, lepers are cleansed, the lame are walking, and the poor have good news preached to them. The king of the new kingdom was revealed and the opposition was increasing. Leaders sought to Discount or discredit, or even to kill those who spoke the message, John and Jesus. And Satan used these great and influential people to try and stop the advance of the kingdom. And yet, here we read of an obscure prophet, John the Baptist, coming out of the wilderness, preparing a way for the coming of the Lord. And people are coming to him, they're responding. John is not preaching himself. He's not preaching his own glory. The kingdom is not about the messenger, but about the king. Paul himself would say, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ as Lord. The kingdom is populated with those who humbly receive the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are repentant, those who are dependent coming to earth, Jesus declares that he has come to rescue sinners from themselves. He's come to rescue the weak and the helpless. He would not help those who are proud and independent, those who are arrogant and stiff-necked. The kingdom of heaven advances through the word going forth. That was the message of the book of Acts after Jesus Dies and after he rises again and ascends into heaven, the Spirit comes. And what do we read in the book of Acts? And the Word of God continued to grow and to advance, to increase and to multiply. The kingdom advances when the Word is heard and believed and lived out. We have no power against our great adversary, the devil. The human heart cannot be changed by laws. It is only as the gospel goes forth, as the kingdom advances, that people's hearts are changed. That forgiveness is found and peace is experienced. Now Satan has no ultimate power. I don't mean to say that we should take him lightly, But I mean to say this, he has no ultimate power to to destroy. That power belongs to God alone. He is able to tempt. He is able to lead astray. And he deceives man into destroying himself. He keeps people from looking to God for true life-changing power. And to settle for earthly power. Maybe through education, human wisdom will... Lead to a new world without God, we say, or we tell ourselves. Government will be able to create a new world without God. We give ourselves to government. Or entertainment, we believe, is able to give joy and happiness without God. Or science is able to be a savior from sickness and death, we tell ourselves as we read scientific journals. Or is able to make us what we want to be, where economic prosperity is able to deliver us from need, and on and on it goes. Satan knows the human heart. He knows we desire to worship ourselves, to find deliverance in ourselves, and he tempts us to take good discovery and to distort it, to worship it. He knows if we're not governed by God's word, we'll find and make new saviors, By nature, we want to be free of God, and he tempts us to worship anything but him. He tempts. We choose. So we have to be reminded, again, of what we ought to choose. We cannot continually say, well, Satan made me do it. No, we make choices. What do we choose? How do we choose to celebrate Christmas? How do we choose to speak about the incarnation? Do we speak about the incarnation? Or do we simply find it as another time to simply sing silly songs? We need to be on guard against the lies and deception of the devil. We need to talk to our children about his lies. We need to talk to our neighbors about the emptiness of the promises of the material world. We must proclaim the depth of man's problem, that he's dead in sin. We must proclaim the only hope of deliverance from death. Christ's life, and we must proclaim the joy of living in obedience to God and His Word. The kingdom of heaven is advancing vigorously. The Greek is a bit challenging here, but it can be translated has been coming violently. And Jesus and John recognize that, and we should recognize that too. And then we ought to be a part of that, for he goes on to say, and the violent take it by force. John was no failure. He was unflinching in his proclamation. He pointed people to Jesus, which is what Jesus to whom we should point people. The kingdom is advancing, but not all are going to enter in. Who enters in? Those who recognize their need. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall find a strength from the Lord to endure the darkest night, to endure the greatest disappointment, to find joy in the midst of a world filled with sadness. Jesus is saying it's not the rich and the well-connected who secure a place in the kingdom, but those whose hearts have been made alive. Not outward status that qualifies, but inward renewal that qualifies. Those made alive to enter the kingdom. It is the violent or the vigorous or the zealous who take it by force. Being sentimental at Christmas doesn't mean one has been changed by the message of Christmas. Gathering together doesn't mean that what needs to change has changed. What is needed is a new heart, new zeal. This gift comes only from God through the working of the Holy Spirit. Those who receive the spirit wage war and they wage war against sin and resist the devil and they know their personal weaknesses and they also know the strength of their God. The person that person is described here those who take hold of the kingdom by force, those who live in light of the word and the ethic of the kingdom. Thomas Watson describes how kingdom living grows. I'll just give you nine points, so we're not going to develop them this morning. Nine points of how kingdom living grows be steady reading God's word, be steady hearing God's word, be fervent. In prayer. The kingdom grows in our hearts by deep meditation upon God's Word, by rigorous self examination of heart, by setting apart the Lord's Day for worship, by holy conversation with fellow believers, by resisting Satan, by resisting the world. Throughout the epistles, the letter writers proclaim that it is by a zeal that we take hold of the kingdom. The believer strives to enter through the narrow gate. Jesus says that in Luke chapter 13. The believer strives and wrestles against sin, Ephesians 6, running in such a way as to win the prize, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Living in such a way as to make one's calling and election sure, second Peter one. And fighting the good fight of faith, first Timothy chapter six, verse twelve. What happens when we have break from school? What happens when we have a break from work? Do we continue to press on, or do we become rather unguarded? I think it's Fairly safe to say, we become quite relaxed and we take in whatever the culture will give to us. We live much the same way, or we imitate what we see around us. But we are not those who should live passively. The life of faith is not a life of passivity. Walking by faith is not anti intellectual, it calls for us to grow up in our understanding of who God is who Christ is and what he's come to do and what he commands. We're called to be childlike in faith, not childish, not immature. If we think about it from the scripture's standpoint, the kingdom is not for the self-righteous or the compromisers. It's not for Balaam, for the rich young ruler, for Pilate, for Demas who loved this world. The kingdom is given to imperfect yet faith-filled men like Joseph and Nathan the prophet and Elijah and Daniel and his three friends and Mordecai and Stephen and Paul it's given to imperfect yet faith-filled women like Ruth and Deborah and Esther and Lydia if we study those stories then we see what it looks like to live in light of the kingdom what it looks like to live in the kingdom as those who are advancing in their faith as those who continue to teach and instruct the kingdom of heaven is advancing though america as a nation may not be taking notice many are being made alive and being taken hold of by the teaching and the ethics of the kingdom of heaven and beginning to live in light of those truths the glory of God regardless of what it might cost what does it cost well for john it meant prison and ultimate ultimately death for jesus it meant the cross for the followers of christ it meant martyrdom is that the christmas that you think of when you think of the coming of the lord jesus christ is that the battle that you Imagine when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been coming violently, and the violent, the vigorous, take it by force. In this time of the year, when we reflect on Christ's coming, it's easy to get overly sentimental with the traditions of the holiday and to forget how the kingdom was advancing in Jesus' coming, or how it was advanced by his coming. We want to remember that important truth. We want to pray that his kingdom would continue to advance as we speak and live out the truth before a world walking in darkness. The message we proclaim, the gift that we give to those around us, is the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the message that he proclaims is, do battle with sin. Go to war against the fallenness within. Look to Christ. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ for life, for salvation. Let's proclaim that great gift given, which is Jesus Christ, the Savior for sinners. Amen. Pray, Father in heaven, we reflect on these words that... You have given us. Your kingdom is advancing. O oh Lord, make us participants in that. May we want to see it advancing. May we pray that for our children. May we instruct in that way that our children would hear the word and they would not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of their minds and their hearts, the work of your spirit. May we be transformed too, that our joy Our happiness might be deeper than the gifts that are given, the material gifts that are given. Lord, grant us this steadiness, grant us this zeal that you might be honored and glorified in all of our living and all of our celebrating and all of our gathering. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.